Redbird Report. I'm your host, Scott Prerost. With me today, I have my co-sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? Oh, so good. Uh, so, uh, what did you say? It's a great day to be a Redbird. Oh, it's always a great day to be a Redbird. Uh, kind of an up-and-down week this past week for uh, ISU Sports. Um, we'll start with the football team. So, last week, I'm talking the Youngstown State game. They lost to Youngstown State, 1917. Heartbreaking loss. Moves your team to five and four, or it was that five and three that they were at that point. Five and four, and you're kind of like you kind of have to win these next few games to make the playoffs at that point. Except you're going up against the number one team in the country in South Dakota State, missing as you said before the podcast six out of your eleven starters, and you go in and drop thirty-one to seven. You don't score offensively. Their only points came off of a blocked punt, and you will. I believe you had about a hundred total yards of offense. Let's look here. That can't... Yeah, 100 exactly. 100 total yards of offense compared to 431 for South Dakota State. Um, you're missing your starting quarterback. You're missing one of your starting tight ends. You're missing a bunch of linemen. It's just... It's a tough look for this team right now. Uh, Rittenhouse, however, did lead the team in passing yards and rushing yards in that game. Um, but South Dakota State's a heck of a team. I mean, you can't can't say enough about them I mean there's a reason they're the number one team in the country but that's definitely a tough loss for the Redbirds yeah really um unfortunate you kind of as a fan you would hope that they can go in and shock the world shock the nation of FCS football but um South Dakota State did their thing um limited ISU offensively and you know another really not a bad performance by the um defense there Vandenberg had another great game um that's kind of been the highlight for ISU fans aside from the block punt uh, score. But I think he's putting together a really great career and continued that there. And holding the number one team in FCS football to 31 points is not a small feat. And maybe if your offense isn't missing, I think it was like six starters, you have a chance with holding that team to 31 points. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And I think another thing, and this might sound weird, but I think if you have those six starters, I don't think South Dakota State scores 31 points because I think South Dakota State doesn't have the ball as much, obviously. I mean, I'm pretty sure they dominated time possession 39 minutes to mm-hmm. about 21, I believe it was, right. or something along yep. those lines. So, I mean, you hold on to that ball a little longer, get some consistent drives, you're not letting him score 31. But, I mean, the team sits at 5-5. Five and five. You have a game against Western Illinois, winless Western Illinois, Um and you really obviously want to come away with a win there. But then you look at the season that they had. You lose to Wisconsin 38 nothing. First quarter, it's 0-0 at the end of the first quarter. I mean, Annex said through that interception then early in the second. And from that point, it was kind of all Wisconsin. But, I mean, you shut down a Big Ten team through one quarter. I mean, they had the ball for, I think, maybe a minute and a half during that entire first quarter in that game. Um, and then outside of that, you never allowed more than 21 points yeah, 21 points until the uh, South Dakota State game there. Um, your losses come against, like I said, that Big Ten Wisconsin team, um, the number four team in FCS, the number one team in FCS, and then you have the losses to Southern Illinois, who was ranked at the time, and then Youngstown State, obviously that devastating loss. So, I mean, a few things go your way. You don't let Youngstown State go 80 yards in a minute with no timeouts, and you score in the first half so that it doesn't come down to that controversial no call and the pass interference at the end of the ISU Southern Illinois game and it's a completely different look on the season right now yeah I mean Trevor and I camp has done a great job with that defense um I think it's the past five years as the defensive coordinator 
And, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you just wish that those flashes that they showed throughout the season could turn into consistent offense. And I like the direction they went this year. It was more exciting than it has been in years past and a kind of a wider playbook they had, but it didn't materialize much. And um, hopefully having Annex head back for another year next season, um, maybe this offense becomes dangerous. But I think this uh, team just was not able to put together games a whole lot. I mean, a lot of the wins were much closer than you would have liked to see. They never really put together a full game where they just – dominated team maybe eastern illinois i guess you could say but you wish that they could have kind of asserted their dominance on the teams that we thought they were capable of doing that towards uh during the season you know uh south dakota you beat 12 to 10 in a defensive slugfest when you were pretty heavily favored going into that game so yeah i think this team needs to put some things together and um you're not losing a whole lot offensively. Which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And then defensively, you're losing Vandenberg, obviously, but I think there are guys on this defense that you might not even know their name yet, and they're going to step up next season. I would agree 100%. I think the big thing is going to be looking at that line, seeing what they're going to be able to do, because you are going to be losing some big players. Drew Bones is one of your linemen that should be leaving after this year. He's a senior. Um, however, you look at like the key players that you have, You'll lose Bryson Deming, but you should still have, I believe Tanner Tawla still has some time uh, left. Tawla's a sixth year. He's a sixth year? Yeah. So then you lose both tight ends. That mm-hmm. is probably your biggest thing, though, because mm-hmm. Sobkowicz is actually only a redshirt freshman, which is really impressive for the production that he's put together. You lose Brock Annexted, but backfield, you'll get back Cole Mueller. Hopefully he's 100% when he comes back. you still got Zach Annexted, who obviously I think I really like him. I think he's got a lot of potential mm-hmm. there. Um Jalen Carr, who we're both pretty high on this year, he's he'll be coming back. Wankers, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. these are just for now. I mean, Miller. anybody could enter the transfer portal, but Cole Miller should be back. Yeah, which so could be huge. That should be pretty big for this team. I mean, it's just obviously you want to see them come away with a win at the end of the season to have some momentum going into next year, but definitely not the way that after the first probably six or seven games of this year. It's not really how you expected the season to go after you lose your next three and now you're facing Western Illinois with really the only thing on the line, pride, honestly, at this point, just coming away with a winning record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the other thing we talked about, obviously you want to end above 500, but um, it'd be huge for Vandenberg to have a big day and kind of improve his draft stock, which we've kind of been talking yeah. about. Um, and I think he did that Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of the takeaway for Redbird Athletics was that Vandenberg had a career day with, I think, three sacks, four tackles for loss, the pick, and a deflection. So, huge day for him. Continue First to, career pick. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, you want to be able to see that um, from his position. So, yeah, absolutely. I think he can um, just keep building on a great year, and then um, hopefully you get annexed back and he can – you know, show some things that maybe he hadn't this season. Um, in terms of explosiveness, I think he's done a really solid job as a game manager, but you kind of want to see him, you know, break off big plays and um, get his re- receivers in the right spot. Yeah, I would agree 100%. So uh, definitely a lot to look forward to next year, I think, with this team. I mean, you bring back a lot of this offense, and it really just seems like whoever uh, Trevor Nykamp has as his defense, it's, mm-hmm. they make something work there. So obviously high hopes for this team next year. Um, but they finished their season Saturday. I believe it's an 11 a.m. game now. It got yep. rescheduled for. So uh, try to make it out to that early morning game. Um, 
but yeah, like you said, just try to go out with a bang this year and set yourself up for some success next year for sure. Uh, I think that's it for football. I do want to talk about volleyball now. Um, I talked about this with you before the podcast. It, there's this weird thing where for some reason IC sports just feel like ruining other teams' seasons. Um, in soccer, we had the Redbirds, who were in last place, beat the number one seeded Missouri State Bears to send them down to the two seed heading into the tournament. Um, and then in volleyball, you had the 10th place Redbirds knock off Valparaiso and send them down a seed, I believe, to the six seed instead of the five seed here for the upcoming tournament, which doesn't seem like a big difference, but it could very well make mm-hmm. a huge difference in that tournament. Yeah, um, it seems like your goal is to avoid Northern Iowa, so seeding does matter. At 100%. This point. And now you have a chance to end another season here tonight against your biggest rival, Bradley, uh, at your home court in Seth Q Arena now instead of Redbird Arena. Um, it's a big game coming up tonight. I mean, regardless of what the outcome is, I mean, regardless of what their season has been, this game kind of is just really big for everyone on that team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, Coach Matter's been saying it throughout the season, but this team plays best when the pressure's off, which obviously is not what you want as a competitor, but it has shown up to be true this whole season. And, um, you know, once they go in and lose the first two sets, maybe they'll pick up the third set win or something like that just to kind of take away from the team's performance. Um, Sometimes they've been able to avoid a sweep by doing that. And I think that um, you saw it really come to fruition Saturday night against Valparaiso when they had been eliminated and then they decide to um, really just turn things around and play like the team that we've been wanting to see all season. So. Yeah, they don't they don't care about what their record is. They still want to win these sets. They still want to win these matches yeah. regardless of the outcome. Absolutely, and I think um, Redbird fans get their last look at three really impressive seniors tonight. Um, so it'll be an emotional night um, for a few reasons. Obviously, I mean, interviewed Sarah Kushner yesterday, and she said, I just hate Bradley. Yeah, I think that's... um, Rightfully so. Absolutely. I think um, every Illinois State fan and student can kind of relate to that feeling. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think this team just despises Bradley at this point. And um, there's kind of an interesting development with Matters kind of um, had an interaction with the Bradley administration after their first meeting, and um, it seemed like a little... um, just things that you don't want to hear from Bradley. I mean, she interviewed for that job and told them no before coming here. So they felt really good about that first win. Yeah, um, of course. And felt the need to say something about it to her. So, I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing that she kind of got that bad taste in her mouth from Bradley the first meeting. And she really grew to understand what this rivalry means and why we despise those people <laughs> down in Peoria or up in Peoria. So, um, yeah, I think. You got the seniors to play for. You got a chance to end Bradley's season. I don't think there's anything. There's no lack of motivation despite being out of the MVC tournament. Yeah. Here's what you. Some good news for the Redbirds here. So obviously we hope they go out with a win against this Bradley team and their season. But you look at their roster. You look at some of their stats. Three out of their four leaders in. I guess you should say two, three, and four because number one's Katie Weimarskirch, but. Uh, two out of their four or three out of their four leaders in sets played this year are coming back next year in Ada Shadowald, Reagan Haith, and Norianka. Norianka's a junior, um, 
And then, obviously, you're losing Katie Weimerschurz. That's a huge loss. You're losing Sarah Kushner, big loss. But it seems like they have the pieces to fill these holes. And I think almost this season was the was good for the Redbirds in the essence of these people all got the work that they need in order to start developing and started to get that experience in the Missouri Valley Conference and learn about some of these rivalries like the ones coming tonight heading into next year because they're going to have a young team with a lot of really good players. Yeah, uh, like absolutely. I mean, um, you got Caitlin Leffler back for this weekend, had two double-doubles, and we had talked about her getting a medical redshirt and hoping that she could line up um, eligibility-wise with the rest of this freshman class. But um, obviously didn't happen, but she got back out there and just reminded you how good she is. Yeah, she I still mean, has two more years. As a setter, your goal is to make everyone around you better, and she just does that so well. She really um, does. So absolutely great to see her back in the lineup. Um, and then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Emily Weber, another great setter. I'm curious to see who's going to be setting the ball next year. And then the big problem um, this season has just been a pin shortage. I mean, who's going to be swinging at the ball next year? And um, you get Sarah Jacobson back, hopefully 100% healthy from that ACL tear um, for her senior year. And then um, Ada Shadowall, I think, is just going to improve. And she has started consistent. to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, early in the year she struggled sometimes with consistency and accuracy, like you said, where she wasn't always. She was getting a lot of kills, but it wasn't necessarily very efficient. But I think over the last few matches, we're starting to see her turn that around. Right, and I completely agree. And I think that she does kind of get a lower uh, hitting percentage because a lot of the time she was hitting out of the back row, which yeah. is obviously you're not going to hit at quite as high a percentage when you're further away. And um, But yeah, I think she once she starts to even out a little bit, I really like what she could be for this program. Um, but then... Kalia Club, Kalia Club, I can never say it right, but she's going to be really good for this program. Um, Reagan Haith, obviously, and Hannah Reichensberger in the middle position are just going to be um, really solid. And um, obviously, we both have a year left at ISU, but I can't wait to see what this program has the next three years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So I believe Maggie Weller should fill Weimer-Skirsch's hole, but you do have... A couple recruits coming in mm-hmm. who maybe will compete, but I'm sure Maggie Weller will fill that role first, uh, or will just be the kind of like in the, the running day for one it. starter. Yeah, day mm-hmm. one starter. That's the way to put it. And maybe they will come in and uh, surprise some people there. But I think, like you said, I think it has there's a lot of pieces that are definitely just falling into place correctly for the Redbirds. You have a young coach who gets to make this her team now, mm-hmm. and I, I no coach wants to lose Weimer, Kushner, and Hilliard, but. Now it's her roster that she's going to put together from from the bottom and really just see what they can do because I think they're going to have – I think there's going to be low expectations for this team next year, if I'm going to be honest with you, in terms of what the rest of the conference might think and what some people on the outside might think. But they have some really, really good young players on this team. Yeah, I mean, the coaches around the Valley, um, you think about the preseason poll next season, and they're just going to be so upset they got it so wrong <laughs> this year. Um, obviously, no one could have predicted what happened with this team, but – um, I think they're going to get put down pretty low. And, you know, like we said, they play well when the expectations are off and there's no um, nothing to be expected of them, which obviously, like I said, you don't want that. Um, you want to step up in the big moments when it's needed. But um, I think this team's going to go in kind of not carefree, but be able to play loose, be able to play um, how they want. 
and that'll kind of help them having that target off their back from this season. They were getting the best game from every program in the Valley. Yes. And um, after winning it three straight years, um, winning the regular season title four years ago, that's, I mean, come to expect it, obviously. Yeah. But um, I think they're going to be able to kind of have a better opportunity to play like sophomores, play like underclassmen next season when they didn't have that chance when they actually were freshmen this season. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, obviously, they finished their season, like you said, multiple times. Tonight, 6 o'clock at SEFQ Arena against I-74 rival Bradley. Make sure to go out to that game and uh, cheer on the Redbirds. Um, that's it for volleyball, though. Uh, we do have some other sports we want to talk about, though, still. Uh, first, cross-country, a big performance this past weekend at the uh, NBC Championships, and really just a ton of records were broken this weekend in just across the board, men's and women's. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you didn't really get any of the placement or team performance that you want in the scheme of the competition, but for the program, looking at that race just as an ISU cross-country program, I mean, there's nothing you could have wanted more. And obviously, you're facing the best competition in the NCAA at the Midwest Regional, or some of the best competition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were rewriting their record book, and um, you get five new athletes, or at least five athletes rewriting the top ten times in their respective races, which is just really impressive, and not much more you can ask of um, at that level. Yeah, I would. It was an impressive weekend to say the least. Uh, they do have one more outing, I believe, this year. I think so. It's on the schedule, but I don't think they'll. Nobody made it? No one made it, yeah. Nobody did make it. Okay. I wasn't sure about that one. Um, so their fall season's actually over then. Yep. Um, you're right. It is off the schedule now. Um, a lot of these athletes will transition to the track and field. Um, yes, definitely. I, think all, I would guess almost every single person on the roster is going to be in those distance things. That's usually just how it goes. Yeah, usually. So... Um, obviously a lot of careers are not over a lot of, um, running left to do still for these athletes. So a great opportunity to, um, go into the winter with, um, making their mark on the cross country program and then getting to transition their, uh, focus and mindset a little bit to track and field. Yep, definitely. Um, so we do want to transition over here to men's tennis. Um, they had kind of a rough finish to their fall weekend this past weekend, or fall season, I'm sorry, this past weekend uh, at the Drake Invite. Um, just kind of struggled across the board to find consistency within that roster. Um, but, I mean, overall, I think they had a lot of success this fall season and it kind of sets you up for when you get into, uh, I believe it's Summit League is what they're mm -hmm. in, uh, in the winter. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of good things to take away from this team, but definitely, definitely a disappointing end to the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to see him go out on a higher note, um, but, you know, you're starting to get into um, regular season play, which I think is obviously the best way to measure your success in the tennis game. And, um, I mean, you started off with three um, duels that you're hosting in uh, January. I guess one's a double duel. Um, so... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to find out a lot about this team. Um, you just want to keep working until you get to January and you're facing um, regular season competition. Yeah, I would agree 100%. But like we said, um, lots to look forward to when you come into this winter and Summit League play. So 
make sure to follow along to that team when they do end up getting to there. But I think that's it for men's tennis for me. Anything else from you? That's all I got. The last two things we do want to talk about, um, men's and women's basketball have really started to kick into gear. Uh, men have played three games. They got another one tomorrow night. And then women have played two games so far. Men's team currently sitting at 2-1. Um, and one. We talked about that loss to Western Illinois last week. But they bounced back with a couple wins, a couple hard-fought wins. Um, at a really scrappy Eastern Illinois team in terms of just being able to force turnovers. And then I like to call them the Northwestern State Bears because they have... Three Missouri State, former Missouri State players. They have Gage Prim's younger brother. Gage Prim obviously played at Missouri State, and I believe their head coach used to be an assistant coach at Missouri State. So um, kind of a familiar look coming in tomorrow night, but I think the player that needs to be talked about, obviously, Kendall Lewis, 16.7 points, 13.7 rebounds so far this year. He's just doing everything for the Redbirds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what Redbird fans would love to see is just someone making a jump like that and um, someone they know which I think is huge. Um, I think he's stepped up not only in his play but as a leader for this team and just does anything that's asked of him and does it well. So I think Kendall Lewis is just someone that is easy to root for. I mean, he's a fighter. He doesn't have an ego. Um, He just really is everything that this team needs um, outside of maybe scoring. And I think he gets it done. I guess I'm talking more about as a shooter. Yes. Um, And – I mean, he crashes the glass like no one else. I mean, he just has a like a dedication to rebounding that you do not see at this level from someone that could be putting the ball in the basket a lot more. Um, but yeah, like I said about as a shooter, I think you just need someone on this team that can score consistently at all three levels, and I think that's what they're looking for. And I think McChesney has a chance to step up and do that. I'm really happy with his performance against Northwestern State. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if he doesn't, step up the two guys that i'm looking at are kasubki and Petrakis. yes i think those guys are just going to be such great scorers off the bench you saw it in the eastern illinois game um they can shoot they can get inside Petrakis. um i was worried about his defense but him and mcchesney played really well um on the interior there so i think that there's plenty of guys who are yet to step up i don't think darius burford or malachi poindexter have been the players that they were expected to be going into the season yet um, although Burford did have a really good game against Northwestern State. Not to Bounce back game that. after yeah. not scoring against Eastern. Absolutely. I think that um, those players have a lot to offer still. And, um, you know, it's tough getting into the rhythm. I think this is, though, a team that will find their rhythm. And um, their strength of schedule went up as Northwestern State played them. They get the win in their, um, in Louisiana. And then Northwestern State goes on the road in a what I – I'm almost guaranteeing is a paid game to go to it TCU. It was indeed a paid game. Yep. Um, so they knock off the number 15th ranked team in the country. So, I mean, you just never see that in college basketball, the in, in-season home-and-home home series. Um, but then for that to – in between the home-and-home home series, they go and knock off the number 15th ranked team in the country. Yeah. Really sets the stage for uh, tomorrow's game Thursday at Steph Q Arena. So – how interesting will it be to see this team come in? Um, obviously, kind of a lower-level storyline, Hansel Emanuel, someone that I'm really excited, um, to, see, excited yeah. to see in person. Um, obviously, um, I think a three-star recruit coming out of high school um, and a Gatorade athlete making, I think, over a million dollars in NIL deals. Obviously, um, 
lost um, part of his arm as a child, and it's just... It's a great story. It's a great story. It's just a thrilling person to watch and really easy to root for. He only played two minutes against TCU, and... Um, only eight, I believe. Yeah, only eight yeah. against ISU. Um, but still has a chance to record his first collegiate points in SEFQ Arena after um, missing some free throws, missing a couple three-point shots. So I think he does have a great career in front of him um, and has a lot to do still left um, after kind of a slow start. And a lot of it is playing time related. I would say he's not getting a lot of minutes so far, but um, really excited to see what he can do and see him in person. Um, And then interesting that ISU gets to place two really highly touted recruits in him and then Amani Bates later yeah. in Seth Curina and Normal. Yeah, definitely. So a uh, lot to look forward to for that men's basketball team. Like we said, they'll be back in action tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Seth Curina for the second of the home and home there, uh, their last game before uh, Thanksgiving break here. Um, the last thing we do want to talk about today, women's basketball currently sitting at 2-0 with wins over a sh- very solid mid-major in Dayton, and then last night coming back from down 10 in the second quarter to end up winning by 15 against St. Thomas. So just a really strong start to the year. And here's the big thing that I want to look at. So Paige Robinson against Dayton had 9 points on 2 of 11 shooting, yet they still beat Dayton. Mary Crompton had a monster game. And then it flipped. Mary Crompton really struggled against St. Thomas. He only got, I believe, one basket. It was a three-pointer, while Paige Robinson went ahead and dropped 23 on an efficient 7-13 shooting from the field. So I really think this team's balance and this ability to score from multiple players is going to be key for this team, especially when you have a player like Deanna Wilson down low who commands attention because, I mean, if you one-on-one against her, I mean, she's going to score she's going to get fouled she's going to find a way to put the ball in the hoop whatever way she can so you can't do one-on-one against her you put two on her it leaves a guard open and their guards are really good at finding the openings and scoring yeah absolutely and I think the question going into the season was you know all this talk about Paige Robinson taking the Juju Redmond role um who's going to step up when she's having an off night and we found that to be Mary Crompton um playing at full health for the first time in years so really exciting um to see that this team has multiple scoring options. And how about Abby Alsma off yes. the bench? I mean, you know, your coaches always want to talk about, oh, this freshman's going to contribute. And you never really know what that means until you see it. And I was surprised to see Abby Alsma's maybe the first person off the bench for this team. Yeah, she's the sixth man. So, you know, how impressive is it for her to come in um, as a freshman and do these things, score with a lot of other talent on the bench in the locker room, um, I've just been really impressed with her performance so far. And then um, I think you just have a lot of other players that are willing to step up in big moments for this team, as we saw at Dayton. Um, but my question is, um, I didn't watch the game or kind of read anything after, unfortunately, but why was that game against St. Thomas so close? It was early. They were saying, I think Gillespie's big thing was she said it multiple times in the press conference. The team just looked disinterested in the game mm. uh, early on, and they were just getting dominated down low, so they started double-teaming, and that left people wide open for three. I mean, you can see uh, number 20 for St. Thomas, Samuel Pichka, I believe is how you pronounce it, 6-6 six six from the field, 2-2 two two from three, 6-6 six six from the line. So she was a huge player for her for St. Thomas, but I think the big thing was just their inability to guard down low early, and then something just clicked in that second quarter, and then Paige Robinson started scoring. Deanna Wilson started taking over. Um, Deshaun Wright-Gassens came in and made a big couple big plays, but 
I think what's most impressive about that game is their turnaround defensively. After allowing 20 points in the first quarter, you allow 36 over the next three, and you record 11 steals and eight blocks as a team in that game, which is just a really strong stat line. So I think their ability to balance scoring and their ability to guard one through five is really impressive this year. Abby Alsma off the bench can play defense as well as any of the guards on the team, in my opinion, and she can she can fly with the ball. She can shoot, she can finish, she can do everything for this team. So I think there's a lot to look forward to with this team. Yeah, absolutely. So you see going into a game where they're disinterested, apparently, um, then you have to turn around and play Wisconsin, which if there's a game to be interested in, it's a Big Ten opponent coming to your house. Um, Wisconsin so far this season is 2-1. and one. Um they lost big down 14 to um, uh, Kansas State in a neutral site game and then uh, beaten North Florida in a blowout win um, at the Kohl Center. So um, they host Bradley tonight, which will be an interesting yeah. game, kind of get to see what they look like against an NBC opponent. And then they come, like I said, to normal on Sunday to face ISU. And um, it'll be an interesting um, environment because I was talking to – um, Brian, the SID for women's basketball, and you know the students are going to be gone um, yeah. Sunday before Thanksgiving break week. Um, they're um, giving away 500 T-shirts to fans, and you know you really hope that you see 500 fans at that game because it's just such a weird time. It's a tough time in the calendar year to um, get a lot of people out to a game um, with all the traveling and things that just go on with Thanksgiving week, but um, you know. It'll kind of be their game to set the tone in, I would say, yeah. um, and really make an impact and decide how the environment's going to look, um, you know, with a few fans in the stands and um, hosting a Big Ten team that's coming from Wisconsin, so probably not many opposing fans. You know, they just kind of get to control the environment, and I'm excited to see how they do that. Yeah, definitely. That uh, game's at 2 p.m. Sunday. Make sure to get out to that game, but I think that's everything from me. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right, so make sure in the meantime to follow us on our Twitter account at the underscore Redette and at Vidi underscore sports, and we will see you in two weeks following the Thanksgiving break.